0: My name is Jason Runyon, I am a teaching elder here at Commonplace Church, it's good to see everyone, I haven't been around for a little bit, apologies for that, this kind of happened in uh, in May, and so um, I've got a stool here just in case, but we'll see how it goes. Um, So today we're going to be in James, just so you know, we're going to be in James chapter, it says three on my notes, James chapter two good job with my notes. We're going to be in James chapter 2, 14, verses 14 to 26. Um, and let's just read that quickly now, just so that we're all on the same page. How does that sound? Reading from the ESV, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Even the demons believe and shudder. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Verse 19. You believe that, that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way verse 26 for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead Um, so just just by way of introduction this summer has been a very interesting one Um, this is part of the interest Um, the other interesting thing has been um, all most of the summer I've been hearing um, names like um, Jean Valjean and Javert. Um, all in the car I hear it, on the audio, um, sometimes I hear it read aloud, sometimes I just hear Susan muttering it, um, but she's working her way through Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, right? And so, you know, there's always, I'm always hearing this, this sound. And so I thought it would be fitting, I don't even know if Susan's here, but fitting to start with a quote by Victor Hugo, I just thought it was interesting, it's short, Um, But I thought it was very appropriate for today. And the quote is this. He says, the word is the verb, and the verb is God. Taking from like um, uh, the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Victor Hugo says something profound. He says, the word is the verb, and the verb is God. Verbs are important. Verbs are very important. Without them, we wouldn't be able to complete a sentence Verbs are important, and today my plan is to present the important truth that you cannot demonstrate your faith, and I can't demonstrate my faith apart from a verb or verbs, and I think that's what, what really what, what James is after here. And so we're going to pray, and then um, we'll get going here. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the rescue that you offer through your Son. We thank you for... Um, all the things, all the, all the good gifts that you give us. Um, and, 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 if, and if you didn't give us any of those good gifts, if you gave us nothing else apart from the rescue of your son and him dying on a cross for us, that would be more than enough. And so we're so thankful for that. And we're thankful for the many blessings that you've provided to us. Um, I just pray now for people going through hardships, people who have a lot of things in the back of their mind, um, things that are weighing on them. And so along with the gifts and the joys and the blessings, there are hardships and there are challenges. And and for anyone here who's got something on the, the back burner in their mind that they're wrestling with or something that's laying heavy on their heart, um, something that they, 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 they're they trying to kind of push out, out of their mind for a little while, I pray that you would give them some relief. I pray that you would work in those situations. Um, we, sometimes it, it doesn't always seem like you're in control, um, but we need good reminders that you are, that you rule and you reign. And um, I just pray that you would reign in our hearts today. I pray that as we go through this this section of, uh, of James, this brief section, I pray because it can be challenging um, at times. I pray that you would um, help us to to reconcile things in our minds. I I feel, I hope that that I will be clear as you speak through me. I pray that for clarity as we think through this together. Um, I I think it makes a lot of sense. I I thank you that you are clear. um, That we interpret scripture with scripture, and 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 um, and there's no no need necessarily to reconcile friends. Um, when, it, when it concerns things that get maybe a little confusing because you do provide and seek to provide clarity. You're not a God of confusion. You are a God um, of order, and we're very thankful for that. And so I just pray now that you would help us think through this passage. I, again, I, pr- I pray for the hearts and minds that are in this room. I pray that um, I have a tendency to, to say stupid things and, and to be silly, and I pray that, that despite those things that I probably will do, that you will speak clearly through me. Um, We're so thankful for your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, Matthew 25. I'm going to read... Well, before I read that, I guess, maybe I'll go there. Um, One of the things, before we kind of get into James, um, and and I'm a bit of a broken record on this, I feel like I've said it before, and, and if you've never heard me say it, well, then maybe I'm not a broken record. Um, but the important thing to note here as we ta- begin to tackle this passage is that this whole book is about Jesus and the, and the rescue that God offers through him. I was listening to uh, um, a comedian recently who said, who said uh, he was talking about Jesus, and he was like, oh, there's a book about him, and he held up the Bible, and then he said, well, really, it's just this much. It's really just this much the rest of this is just you know all a bunch of people complaining but this is about Jesus and um well he's wrong this whole book is about Jesus and the rescue that God offers through him in the Old Testament Jesus is foretold in the Gospels Jesus is revealed and the in the epistles like what we're going to be reading through today James he is explained And so what's helpful to know is that paul and peter and james and john right the people who wrote the 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 men who 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 were who had the opportunity by god's grace to write the new testament were explaining what jesus being here means practically for our lives they weren't inventing something out of thin air so um so that's just some some groundwork um so just we're going to read through just very briefly matthew because i think it's going to be helpful matthew 25 verses 31 31 to 46 and it says this um, this is it's all in red in my bible um so it means jesus is talking um, but here we go verse 31 when this this is Jesus said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separate, separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left then the king will say to those on his right come And give you to drink and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them truly I say to you as you did it to the to one of the least of my brothers you did it to me that's Jesus and I think Jesus's point and we can go to countless other passages we could we could go to we could go to Luke we could go to we could go to Luke where Jesus says um, he talks about the costliness of faith he said he says in Luke 9 he says if anyone is to come after me he should pick up his cross and he should follow me the costliness of faith we could we could go a little bit earlier in Matthew we could go um, visit Jesus when he when he sees Zacchaeus And we can see him encounter Zacchaeus the wee little man the wee little man was he he went up into a sycamore tree for Jesus he wanted to see and Jesus calls him down and and he has a meal with Zacchaeus and after hearing Jesus out and recognizing who he is Zacchaeus says I am going to pay back everything that I've taken everything that I've stolen and I'm gonna give back not just twofold but Fourfold, whatever it was and then Jesus says to Zacchaeus and to everyone who's listening now salvation has come to this house right Zacchaeus had a life transformation and his life transformation was evidenced by not words but deeds so the point Jesus' point, those who inherit the kingdom though, are those whose deeds evidence their new creation status. Those who, who enter the kingdom will be those whose deeds evidence their born againness their eternal life status. Jesus says that. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, people who believe in me will be changed and will be different and now james in this section james jesus's brother is able to take those words and make them more practical for us as we look through them so let's let's turn our attention to james now um so verse 14 um i'm just gonna kind of go i was I don't know, my mom's been sick for the last two, well, longer than that, but she's been in the ICU for like the last two weeks. Um, And so, because I can't drive 70 miles back and forth to Ridgewood every day, um, I decided that I would have Susan drop me off, pack a bag, um, get some groceries, and she would just drop me off at my mom's house and I would live there. Um, It's a lot of fun, going back to your childhood room. Um, that now just has a bunch of like sewing things in it. Um, and, uh, but it was interesting, I was, I was, had the opportunity, my mom never throws anything away. And so there was a cassette player, multiple cassette players. And I found, um, my father, my stepfather was a preacher. And I found a bunch of his, his tapes from like 92, 84. And so in some downtime, I would listen to him. And uh, we didn't have the most amazing relationship. But i I was reminded about how good of a preacher he was and um and 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 he he would go line by line verse by verse kind of like what rachel was saying um and it was amazing to hear what um, he was able to bring out anyway it's been interesting so that's kind of what we're going to do today verse 14. Um, verse 14 i moved i moved james is after hebrews right verse 14 this is what it says it says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him what good is it verse 14 the confession of faith without works what good is it here James kicks things off with a great question what good is it what good is it what good is it if you confess faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and but the life that you lead and the life you have led doesn't demonstrate that profession. It's interesting when I was listening to, to my father one of the sermons that he was preaching, he, he kind of brought this up. He said, How many how many funerals have you ever have you gone to where you, you're hard pressed? to really find anything in that person's life who has passed away that really evidences their faith. And I started thinking about some people that I know in my life, um, some people who are still alive and some people who have passed away. And, you know, they might say, oh yeah, 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 they got saved as a teenager. And it's like, well, what has been the fruit of that for the last 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is? And so here James asks a really important question. What good is it if you say that you have faith but there's nothing, nothing in your past or in your current life that demonstrates that, that evidences that? Verse verse 15 to 17, I call it the Jesus test, the passage we just read, the Jesus test, naked and hungry. Does, does your faith pass the Jesus test from what we just read in Matthew 25? Does it pass the test? If it doesn't, if your confession of faith in Jesus is just that, just a confession, just a, a claim, but when faced with someone in need, you do nothing except give a couple of platitudes. Well, What good is it, James says. Christianity is not idealistic. It is practical. As I said before, it is costly. If we have accepted and believed in the ultimate demonstration of God's love, which is Jesus dying on a cross for us, and and, and we we claim to be in Christ, and apparently the, the love of God is inside of us, and yet there's no expression of that. There's no clothing the naked. There's no feeding the hungry. There's no giving a drink to the thirsty. What good is it? Is it really any faith at all? In John 13:35, uh, Jesus says, and again we're going back to jesus right like i said before jesus is revealed in the gospels jesus is explained in the epistles and here james is seeking to explain what jesus meant when he, when he said what he said in matthew 25 and other places and in john 13 35 jesus says by this all men will know that you are my disciples that you love one another have you ever had this happen i've had this happen when, when you, you you tell your spouse that you love them and they respond and they respond to you in a way that you didn't really expect. They respond to you um, with tears or, or with words that hurt because they're true. Words like you say that, you say you love me but when was the last time you put me first? Have you ever had that happen? That happens in our daily life. It happens with our kids. It happens with our parents. It happens with our spouses. We say we love someone, but our lives, the the, the life that we live alongside of that person can sometimes not show that. And that's what we're talking about here we're talking about if you claim to believe in Christ and you claim to love Jesus does your life reflect that or not that's that's that, this is tough stuff right here and, and this isn't an exercise in in like let's make everyone doubt today that'll be fun that's not what I'm doing But part of um, being a a Christian, part of being a growing Christian is being able to take truth sometimes even when it hurts, even when it's challenging, and to to look, look and inspect and examine, just like in that marital example I gave you, right? What do you do when you say, when you say, I love you, and they say, really, really? That's hard to hear. And sometimes I feel like we can just, I've done this, you just hear it and you just ignore it and you move on and maybe we'll just be good roommates for a while until we get it sorted. Or, or you can do the hard work of taking something hard and trying to work it out. So that's why, so if you're feeling that, as I'm feeling that, let's do the hard work together. Verse 18, how can something invisible be seen? But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith is not some, some ethereal, vague thing. We talk about it as though it is, but it is not. Sometimes we talk about it as if it's this invisible object that I have in my pocket and sometimes it's little and sometimes it's big and sometimes I've misplaced it. Where did it go? I lost it. I lost it. I lost my faith. Oh, it's big today. It was small today. But I think James is clear. Although faith in Jesus is not tangible, that's one of the challenges we have with it, right? It is real and it can be seen by others when it is put into practice. Faith in Jesus is demonstrated in verbs. It is demonstrated by what we do and how we live. That's how it is demonstrated. Verse 19, can belief in God save anyone? In order to, to kind of move his point forward, James here is defining his terms. In verse 19, you believe in God, God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Faith includes knowledge and facts about Jesus. Faith in Jesus I'm talking about. Right? It includes facts about Jesus. It includes knowledge about Jesus. Right? The historicity of Jesus. You believe that? Great. You studied that, you believe Jesus was a real person who really lived, really, and really died, the historicity of Jesus, you, you know that? Great, but that is not faith, right? As the Bible defines it. And it's not mental assent. James's point, he's defining his terms about what faith means. It's not just mental assent either. He, he says that even the demons have mental assent, believe that Jesus is the Son of God when they encounter him all through the Gospels whenever someone demon possessed encounters Jesus Jesus son of the Most High have mercy you know don't don't cast me into the pigs or whatever it is they constantly recognize him for who he is and James's point here is that those he's making he's making a point and again it's his point is that the demons believe that Jesus is the son of God and their response is sheer terror. They shudder in fear before him. Every time in the gospels, whenever Jesus encounters legion, the man filled with many demons or whatever it might be, those demons freak the heck out. They shudder in fear of what he can do. And James's point is, You claim to believe in Jesus. You claim to be a follower of Jesus. What's the response? Are you afraid of Him? Are you overjoyed because of Him? Are you convicted because of Him? What is the response? And Jesus' point is, that at least the demons respond. If you claim to have faith in Jesus there should be some response and if there isn't it's a lonely lonely faith this is what he says in verse 20 he says do you want to be shown you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless in a uh, the King James it's like "Wilt thou not know no that faith, you know, I forget. I don't know. Um, but but his, his point here is lazy, idle, lonely faith is no faith at all. He's determined to make us understand. He, he's spending time in this section reasoning with us, trying to make his point as, as clear and as, as, as he possibly can. Faith that only consists of words cannot save you. It's lazy, it's idle, it's a dead faith. It's like if you had a, I used to know someone a few years ago who uh, had fruit trees in his backyard. So you do all that work, right? You get a couple of Honeycrisp trees and you get a couple of um, Gala apple trees. And, Maybe get a couple like uh, cherry, black cherry, plum trees just so that you can do something in July. In the summer, you get a couple pear trees. Right? And you spend the work, you buy the packages, and you put in the time. And it's been years, and they're you, you, they're 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 growing and saplings, and you're watching them, and you can't wait to to uh, to see these fruit trees. And you just love the Honeycrisp. I think we all love the Honeycrisp. Um, they're just nice and juicy and crisp, um, and. And then, and then the day arrives, right? It's it's the summer where the, okay, we're looking forward to some fruit. And as you're eating your plum in July, you're like, oh, look at this! This is this is progress. Flowers, and, wow! September, I can't wait for September. And then, as the summer progresses, you notice that there's one tree, a honeycrisp tree, that that just isn't doing anything. You no, know, the flowers never budded, and you're like, ah, maybe I just didn't. I wasn't paying attention. But then all of a sudden it begins to stand out from all the other trees into August and, and then in September it's very evident that there, there's no delicious honey crisp apples on that tree. All the other ones, there's fruit and there's apples and you go out with a basket and you pick them. But that one just right outside your kitchen window is just not doing anything. What do you do? It's, it's isolated. It's different than all the other ones. There's something markedly different. And everybody who comes over can say, Oh, that's beautiful, but that one, ugh. I mean, what is going to happen to that tree? There's probably, I don't know, maybe there's a way to fix it. Maybe someone here is a horticulturist or something. I don't know. Somebody can be like, Oh, I know what you would do in that case. You'd get some fertilizer and you, but in my mind, what I would do is that when the season was over, sometime in November, I would take my steel chainsaw, and I would get rid of that thing, and I would borrow someone's pickup truck and get the stump out as quickly as possible, so that in the spring I could put another tree in there that might serve me better. And that is his point. His point is, your lazy, idle, lonely faith, but it just claims only. There's no fruit if there's nothing demonstrating and evidencing. Your faith then it is a dead faith and then for the last kind of section here um, I want to I want to just he goes in verses 21 to 25 Um, he he basically brings up these case studies as if you haven't gotten it by now and hopefully we are all up to to speed sort of but he says as if 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 you haven't gotten it by now he says let's bring in let's let's do the case studies let me bring in let me bring in some heavy hitters here and so he brings in Abraham he brings in Abraham and so I'd like to do that this morning I'd like to bring in Abraham he's, he's father Abraham had many sons many sons at father Abraham I am one of them and so are you so let's just praise the Lord right arm right the point of that song is to teach kids that we are all kids of father Abraham anyone who is of the faith who claims to have faith who has faith in Jesus is a father of Abraham why because Abraham is the biggest believer he's the one who who had to believe the most and here we bring him in and if you he were here right here maybe just be a little weird like Clint Eastwood or something about if you were right here if you he were right here We could have a conversation with him and we could it goes something like this hey Abraham when God spoke to you and told you about all the plans he had for you uh, what did you do What, what did you do well he would say I believed him I believed him oh okay okay but 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 here when he took like okay Abraham but when he took you out like at night remember he took you out and he showed you the stars and he said look at the stars try to count them something you could never do and and, and he showed you all the stars in the sky and he told you that your your um, your family that your lineage would, would just be would just be as numerous as the stars in the sky and you didn't even have a son yet and, and, and it was seemingly impossible for you to ever have a son what did you what did you do then abraham well i believed him you believed him okay so you didn't do anything else i mean you didn't do anything no i just believed god Hmm. but yeah abraham don't you find it strange don't you find it strange that you just that you just took him at his word and like, and you believed him? Don't you find that strange? Well, yeah, I found it strange. I find it mystifying. I can't believe it. If, if, if you had known who I was, and even knowing maybe a little bit about me, I still can't believe that he ever spoke to me. I still can't believe that I even was able to hear him. So, yeah, I am mystified. I am puzzled. I, 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 I wake up every day and I wonder why me huh so you just believed and, and, and like we read God accredited to you righteousness yep here's a question Abraham how do we know that you believed God how how do we know are we just supposed to take you at your word Abraham no not at all Abraham would say you can know that I believed God because of what I did or better said what I was prepared to do you may have read or heard about it because it was very serious It was one of the most profound moments in my life. It was a lot. Do you remember what it was? Genesis 22. God shows up and he speaks to Abraham and he asks him to do something. After this, God tested him and he said to him, Abraham and Abraham said here I am and he said take your son your only son Isaac whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering to me how do we know your faith is, is true how do we are we just supposed to take you at your word Abraham that you just believed God is that it No, 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 he would say. What I did proves what I believed. And what did he do? And and we don't have to read the whole passage, but you can read it for your homework, but in Genesis 22, after God asks Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, the chosen child that he was promised, after God asks him to offer him up and sacrifice him you see verbs all over chapter 22 so Abraham rose early in the morning he saddled his donkey he took his two men he cut the wood he arose and went to the place he lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar he turned to the men and said you stay here He took the wood and the burnt offering. He laid it on his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife and they went up together. And when they came to the place, Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood on the the altar. He bound Isaac. He laid him on the altar. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took his knife to slaughter his son. Abraham, how do we know that you had faith, because of what I did, what I was prepared to do—verbs. He believed God, yes, and his work, his works, his deeds demonstrated, evidenced his faith to a watching world. It's interesting. It's interesting that it says at the end when he, right before he plunges the knife. God stops him. And he says he says do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything do anything to him. He says for now I know that you fear God. Now you know? Now you know? No, no. The God of the universe didn't just it just didn't strike him then that Abraham had faith. Abraham had always had faith. This is for us. This is for us. That now I know, God always knew. He knows our hearts this is for us go and try to find someone in the bible who 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 claims to have faith and you will likely see it demonstrated and now we'll move quickly to rahab Um, rahab's um famous for jericho um but let's just get into it um rahab what's your background where are you from she would say i'm a canaanite i live in the city of jericho an apartment in the wall. Great, great, great. Okay, um, were you gainfully employed there? This is kind of an embarrassing question. Sorry to bring it up. Yes, I was, uh, I was uh, able to support my family, my, my mother, my, bro- my brothers, my father. I was a prostitute. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, just moving quickly. I'd like to just get to the whole Jericho situation if we could. Um, uh, what were you thinking when you decided to hide the spies? What was going through your head? Well, I'd heard about the success of the Israelites as they conquered the amorites i'd heard about the things that they had that had happened in egypt the parting of the red sea the destruction of the egyptian armies Um, i'd heard about the sun standing still i'd heard all these amazing things and i began to believe that if the god of israel could do all of that then maybe he wasn't just the god of the israelites Maybe he was the God of heaven. Maybe he was the God of the earth. Maybe he was just God. Maybe he could be my God. That's a good answer, Rahab. So based on what God has 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 done, you heard about it through the news or whatever you you put two and two together and determined that he was God over everything including you well yes she would say okay that sounds good but but can you tell us I mean why while you're here with us I mean how how come you were saved and the rest of Jericho was destroyed I mean every the Bible tells us every man every woman every child every beast the only thing that they kept were, were like gold and silver how is it that you and your family Weren't destroyed. And she would say, I was saved because the God I believed would be kind and merciful to me was kind and merciful to me. I was saved because even though it could have cost me everything, with my life and the lives of my family on the line, I hid the spies. I let them down from the wall. I lied to the soldiers. I tied the scarlet cord. I stayed in the apartment, in the wall. I kept the secret you can read joshua chapter 2 for your homework if you want it's interesting i was thinking about this this morning if you go into like the first uh, chapter one of matthew and you read through the genealogy of jesus christ rahab's in there probably telling you something you already know Um, but i just found it very interesting Rahab eventually gets married to a guy named Salmon. At least that's how I'm pronouncing it. It's S-A-L-M-O-N. Kind of a weird name to give a kid, I guess. Maybe he was like pink in color. He'd like a pinkish hue or something. Um, but Rahab would have been the great-great-grandmother of King David. And she was the the she and her son, her husband Salmon, <laughs> had a son named Boaz. And Boaz we meet in the book of Ruth. And he's like the most amazing man you'd ever want to meet. He's, he's like the, the husband you wish you could be. So kind, generous. A redeemer in many ways. An amazing picture of Christ. I was thinking about this morning. Um, just like how amazing would it be to have someone who, is, who has faith like that to be your your mom and be amazing right Rahab didn't just claim to have faith notice the verbs she hid the spies she tied the scarlet cord she lied to the soldiers she kept the secret she held up her end of the bargain conclusion how do we know that Abraham's belief is true true faith how do we know that Rahab's belief is true faith true faith produces results those results are actions those results are those 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 are costly actions they are trusting actions they are obedient actions how do i know how do you know that you are saved that you are in christ because of our trusting costly obedience to the word of god conclusion that's it let's uh let's pray and um again this this passage is is, there's a lot of things that come along with this passage you start reading romans and then you might have a bunch of questions because of what paul says and what james says i try not to get into that but if those questions come up i'm happy to have a conversation um but hopefully that that makes sense um let's just pray um Heavenly Father, thank you that you that you love us. Thank you that you rescue us. Thank you that for your Son. Thank you for your Word that, that um, helps us to 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 understand exactly what your what your Son being here means for our lives. Um, what what the what the the practical application. Of your son, the good news um, in our lives, and how, how we should live um, as a result of being in Christ. We're, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how for how clear your your word is. Um, we pray that you would help um, bring this to to um, bring this bring James's words into our hearts and minds today. Help us to 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 think about it. Help us to consider it. Um, and help us to be to be mindful and maybe do the hard work of of examining ourselves and making sure that that our faith is costly that our faith is based on obedient um being obedient that that it is backed up by the things that we by by action by our deeds by the things that we do and say and how we live it's in your son's name we pray amen